0: Merit Kaufman um, is working on um, Rosemary Trockel and again is in a way a a response to thinking through uh, looking uh, um, at the Albers show, but also very much um, responding to it in relation to your own project. Over to you, Merit. Patton is a teacher. Thank you, and yeah, thank you all for staying through to the very end. Um, I think you've had so much fascinating research, much of which I think resonates in my loose thoughts. Um, that I ho- won't feel too repetitive, but perhaps lead into a nice roundup. Is it okay. Okay, great. Thank you. So I've just started my research on Rosemary Trockle, a contemporary German artist, perhaps best known still for her works. These knit works, through which Chockle first gained acclaim in the mid 1980s, were large wool hang pieces, mostly um, seriously, serially produced by industrial knitting machines, and sporting ubiquitous logos such as the Playboy bunny or wool trademark. Now, I'm grateful for the images and insights um, Lynn Cook brought us yesterday into these works, and also distinctions between knitting and weaving, as my short talk must largely skip over them to tease out the knot between Trockel and Albers somewhat differently. If Annie Albers made of weaving a modernist project, restringing the medium from within and sat at the loom herself, then Trockel, rather hands-off and with an ironic twist, undid knitting as as a postmodernist project, or so the canon goes. Upon visiting a solo exhibition by Trockel titled The Saying Different, at Moderna Muzet Malmo and concurrent with Annie Albers at Tate, one phrase stuck with me as it resonated particularly strongly across the two. Pattern is a teacher. Pattern is a teacher appeared twice, scribbled across sketches shown alongside larger works, among them new knit works, big monochromes factored this time by hand by one of Trockel's collaborators using thick walls and needles and beside them little studies of same colour and knit, just a fraction in size and only half-framed. Trockel's work asks us to stretch the possible meanings, dimensions and uses of pattern, I think, as ever with sincere curiosity and some mischief at once. Fed up with being labelled the knit person, Trockel in these works first of all unpicks her own patterns of producing and reproducing work, and re-knits, with a helping hand of another, the same different. Consequently, patterns also of her audience in viewing and interpreting the artist's work are shuffled. The large monochromes, invoking the tactile and allowing for loops, holes, irregularities to show, have a very different effect than the tight and near flawless knit of earlier mechanically produced pieces. In fact, the question was raised in our workshop if in light of their unevenness we want to speak of monochromes at all. This leads, secondly, to review our histories of art and their their patterns in conceiving of of objects never just in terms of the visual but also of value. Aesthetic, monetary, ideological, utilitarian, etc. The irregularities in Trockel's recent manually knit pieces clearly undermined the pure and monolithic of the monochrome, while still allowing for, if not inviting all the more, to dive into the three-on-three-metres rippling pool of colour. Similarly, the little study for this work, titled After the Hunt, enlists the artist in a longer tradition of painting, big history painting in particular, with its preparatory sketches. Yet framed and installed as if cut out of the corner of the larger piece, the study for After the Hunt Just as much undercuts the grandiosity and originality of the latter and joins the ranks of throwaway textile swatches, or maybe not throwaway, but um, the swatch. So, trockle persistently meddles with patterns through which we visualize and evaluate high and low, small and large, surface and depth, the manual and mechanical, original and copy, before and after, and as Lynn Cook importantly highlighted yesterday, also how gender tends to be attached to terms and objects, materials. Rife with wordplay and shifting between English and German, as Trockel's notes attest, yeah, back. her work thirdly points us to uncover the observed ambiguities in the word pattern or muster itself, which Briney already explored in part this morning. The German noun muster encompasses the English pattern, study and swatch in one. The muster can be a small draft and big ideal, an underlying blueprint and surface decoration to come before or emerge after a work. The German verb mustern means to apply or follow a pattern as well as to eye something up and critically take it apart. It also, like the English to muster, connotes a military context in describing the activity of examining an object upon its fitness for survival. To return to Annie Albers, also of German mother tongue, but very quickly perfecting her English in exile from from Nazi Germany, the pattern or muster enjoys little prominence in her writing, who knows whether this has anything at all to do with its ambiguous and partly negative connotations. Terms such as visual organisation or tactile sensibility were certainly more suited to her project of developing a distinct modernist vocabulary of weaving. Now I do not want to undo the rigour of her work and blur all differences between terms and techniques. Still I wonder if we can find a place for the pattern understood with Trockel as teacher, also in Alva's practice, especially with view to her artistic and pedagogic strategies. The pattern is not as teacher, nor taught by someone else. It is an active subject rather than a passive object, in Trockel's phrase. It is a protagonist to counter perhaps, with that passive attentiveness with which also Albers met her material, a passive attentiveness which allowed for a process of learning whereby patterns in making, viewing, using weaving could be turned around and inside out by the artist, as we've seen throughout the exhibition and conference, I think. Like Trockel's, so Alba's process involved following threats backwards and unravelling existing patterns, both her own and those of others, to reimagine and shape the same different. That is, it meant destroying patterns as teachers, if only to test and ultimately affirm their survival as subjects that Trockel and Alba's then hand on to others to use my reading is in this final instance informed by Juliet Mitchell's essay, Theory as Object. This has been helpful in grappling with some of my own methodological concerns in using artworks and psychoanalysis together as theory objects. Mitchell distinguishes between simply relating or identifying and knowing to use an object other, whereby it is only the using which for Mitchell opens that possibility of a subject to subject relationship. It is precisely in using others that we learn to destroy them as internalised objects to only then, given their capacity to survive, be able to rend- the, render them as subjects external to ourselves. Mitchell finally makes the important distinction, quote, between the artist who is identified with his product and one who sees it as an object external to its creator because she has risked destroying it, unquote. You could say Trocon Albers knew to use patterns as teachers, precisely as they risk destroying them in their work. This seems not only to have allowed both a solid standing and many-sidedness as artists at once, but also for their work to travel and speak in many different contexts, as subjects external to their creators. Trocon Albers then too offer themselves as teachers that are patterns, inviting their students for us to keep unpicking and reformulating their work, knowing it all the while survives on its own terms.